McGregor vs. Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264, and DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a knockout offer for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering 264 to 1 odds on a knockout in the first round during Saturday's main event. If the rubber match ends in a first round knockout, you walk away with the cash. Just pick the main event fighter you think will win by first round knockout, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 264 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right, bet $1 McGregor or Poirier to win by first round knockout. You win $264. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportbooks offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $264 when you bet on a main event fighter to win by first round knockout. Uh, place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $264 only. At DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash for details. Okay. You ready to get going? Okay, Simon, why don't we welcome people back to another episode of Maybe, Maybe Next time. time. I am your host, William, with my co-host, Simon McGormack. Nets Nation, are you ready to welcome back Spencer Dinwiddie for 5 years 125? <laughs> You're reading the same articles I am. <laughs> uh, we are back as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things Nets Nation. And Simon, what is the state of Nets Nation on this sunny Saturday, July 10th afternoon? I think it depends, William, on how... To me, it's all about Kevin Durant and the Olympics, to the extent that it's about much. Yeah. Uh, And I would say it breaks down along the lines of the you and me camp, who are just praying he gets out of there alive and not too too worn down. Yeah, dinged up, worn down, injured... And those who have checked those fears at the door and are loving every quote about, like, his leadership and about how <laughs> Coach Pop is so grateful he's playing and how, you know, he's he's just, like, an integral. Everyone loves him, and he's also recruiting Kevin Love. What do you think Nets Daily would write about if Kevin Durant were not on the Olympic team right now? <laughs> Um, because they, as you said, there's there the other the alternative is Spencer Dinwiddie news. Yeah. Uh, I I like what did they do when Isaiah Whitehead was the best player on the right. team? Well, that was those were some honestly in some ways more much more interesting off season times yeah. because you could be like. Um, what is Isaiah Whitehead working on? What? Oh, he's doing like his thing in Coney Island. Remember he did like a, a some kind of like barbecue or something, oh, yeah. something in Coney Island that got coverage. You, you're, you're dealing in like every minute thing that could summer league, like summer league nets was oh, yeah. like for weeks pre, pre, it was like 
Who's going to do it? What are they going to be Why looking at? Why is Jared Allen in his 17th straight summer league? <laughs> right. right. That was a fun scandal, DeAndre Jordan's first year. No, well, it was... Right, exactly. Also, there was a great year when, like, the Nets had, like, half of their team at summer league. You're right. Including Kenny, At- Kenny Atkinson coached. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Every goddamn that, game. That was amazing. That was an amazing... So, so that's what, like... That those were like uh, much more bustling times in 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 Nets off season. Right land. now we have KD plays in the Olympics. Spencer Dinwiddie wants hundreds of millions of dollars, and James Harden is getting frisked by Paris police. It, yes, exactly, and looking quite large. He is he, wearing like moo's basically now. I would say that for a guy who is actively spending time at a something that dubs itself a fashion week, <laughs> he. <laughs> he was rocking a very loose top, like yeah, exactly. a very unflattering. Because his body, while by NBA standards maybe a bit pudgy, mm-hmm. is an extraordinary body on a on a person. Like mm-hmm. he could have a a someone in the fashion universe of Paris Fashion Week put him in something that looked a little bit better. Right. He has it could accentuate his like quite big muscles in the arm area. Right. Um, some, something. Just Other not than make me. it look like, like, not make me feel comfortable with my body when I look <laughs> right, at him. Exactly. Right, He huh. should be making me feel like a piece of shit. Right. I mean, that's what athletes are there to do. Right. You don't see, like, fashion models wearing baggy, I mean, who knows what they do now, folks. Right. But in my day, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's an odd look. It is an odd look. Um... I am fairly shocked that Paris and police in Paris care about weed. Me too. Uh, me too. The I, I don't really know. I mean, it, it was also like a very, like the coverage I saw seemed like they didn't totally know what was that. Like there was some sort of car accident that happened that didn't involve James Harden or Little Baby. But yeah. then Little Baby was arrested. Little Baby and two other people were arrested. Yeah. For weed, maybe. Or a right. car, maybe. Right. And James Harden was not, maybe. Right, exactly. <laughs> but he was looking a little frumpy. Right, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, that is a weird side story. Are you a little, a little Baby fan? I don't know anything about uh, Little Baby. I really, I really don't. Um, I couldn't... I think he's been to some Nets games. Yes. He's a huge... He, I mean, people love Lil Baby in the NBA. I feel like. Okay. Uh, maybe I can get a little Lil Baby track going here. Sure. Dr- drip too hard. Tell me if this one rings a bell. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a song I've heard. Yes, he's here. Yes, this is a song. <laughs> At maybe a Nets game or something, you know, the DJ will spin a little baby if he's in the crowd. Maybe we'll just move on to a different little, little different topic. A little different topic. A little different topic. Okay. Uh, oh wait, let me pause. Yeah, a this baby. is gonna need to. 
I mean, if you want to run it the entire time, we could. Would you, uh, before we move away from the thing I just promised we're moving away from, would you ever be interested in going to Paris Fashion Week? No. Same. Thank you. Nor Paris. I would, however, to get back to something we were to nor Paris. (laughs) (laughs) But, Simon, uh, the home of your favorite all-time sculptor, Roldan. Oh, you're so right. His maison. You're so right. His chateau is in the heart of Paris as he left it. And it's got all the paintings that he collected of his friends uh, who are also artists in the late 19th century. It's gorgeous. And then the backyard is filled. Backyard. I mean, I would probably be shot if I were in Paris if I called that a backyard. You do not buy a bikini in this (laughs) yard, sir. I am am a grilling. (laughs) Oh, Oh, you like a little bit of red sauce (laughs) on your meat. Oh, you're using Kingston charcoal. <laughs> yes, piece of shit. <laughs> this is the gateway to hell, because we care about passion and the soul here. Uh, so anyway, it's a gorgeous place. I went when I was mm. in Paris, uh, not one, but two times. Wow. I was you were, very, were you there for like three weeks or something? I was there for six weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I double dipped. I double dipped in the Rodin home. Jesus Christ, you practically lived in Paris. Practically, yeah. It was uh, one of my favorite places in that city. Um, I guess I had a similar connection with Rodin that you that you have. Yes, yes, it is similar. Uh, <laughs> no one can appreciate him quite the way. It is similar. <laughs> so we are here as we are each and every Unrelenting Week to talk all things Nets Nation. We have an action packed agenda for you this week we're going to obviously kick things off in an assistant coach's corner Mm -hmm. uh, backed by popular demand absolutely um we have an extensive mailbag to get to from irl jay-z lots of great stuff in there and then uh as is our want we will conclude the episode with a riveting dissection of a menu uh, I don't want to spoil which menu it is. Let's leave our listeners in a bit of suspense. Mm-hmm. But, Simon, let's turn now to one of our favorite corners. We've got a lot of corners on this show. Yes. Uh, what what shape of a room would you say maybe next time is with a, all the corners we have? Um, decagon. Yeah, dodeca. Dodeca is what, 12? 12, yeah. Yeah, dodecagon. <laughs> Nice. Shaped room. Uh, yeah, so this is one of our Dodeca corners, one of our favorite <laughs> Dodeca corners, assistant coach's corner. Um, we started assistant coach's corner largely because of our mutual – is obsession too strong a word to describe how we feel about Tiago Splitter? <laughs> <laughs> No. No, not even close. Or, um, God, who was the guy I was convinced was going to become the head coach? Uh, Weaver, right? No, No, not Will Weaver. Not not Uh, Will Weaver. Shit, what is the Uh, guy's name? Adam Harrington. Adam Harrington. Yeah, yeah. Yes, another guy I'm so obsessed with, I need assistance uh, to remember his name. (laughs) But... We're going to begin. There's lots of news in Assistant Coach's Corner this Mm -hmm. week. First one, Nets hire David Vanterpool. Simon, to kick off Assistant Coach's Corner, I'm going to ask you to give me the first three adjectives that pop in your mind when I mention the name David Vanterpool. Okay. Go. Great. Okay. One, experienced. (laughs) I love it. Yes. Very good. Two, bright. 
Okay. Okay. Three. Uh, Lillard, as in Damian Lillard, because uh, he coached in Portland, and Damian Lillard was upset, or at least upset enough to write a tweet when he didn't get the Minnesota, Minnesota job. job. Right. right. So he is liked by Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Like nay, loved. Yes, exactly, loved. And um, so that's good enough for me. Yeah, I, I so people were pissed when he didn't get the gig in Minnesota. Um, though I think the wild winning streak that they went on once Chris Finch came came in and D'Angelo Russell came back sort of put people's anger slightly to bed on that one. But he's also, as uh, increasingly all personnel um, in Nets land are, uh, very tight with Kevin Durant. <laughs> yes. Um, so... And in terms of X's and O's, what about Vanterpool's approach to let's just stick to defense? Because if we if we introduce his approach to offense in this episode, mm. we could go well over the two hour mark. Mm. So just from an X's and O's defensive perspective, because the the thought is he will be sort of the Ime Udoka um, replacement as defensive coordinator for this team. What do you think? he in particular brings to this team defensively? I gotta tell you, I don't know, and the two teams that I know that he was on have had terrible defenses. Uh, Great point. Portland has had some of the worst defenses, not um, like of a team during a season, but of uh, a team historically in the NBA. Right, right. And Minnesota, I mean, God love him, but D'Lo is not a, a ball stopper. No. So I don't know how much of it is Vanderpool's Vanderpool's uh, fault, right? But yeah, obviously a miserable defense, but still uh, a higher I'm pumped about. Sure, and we've also still got Jacques Vaughn, yes, uh, who pumping has, out the D. Um, and another bit of assistant coach coach's corner news has opted out of the uh, Pelicans uh, head coach search, uh-huh, uh-huh. which. To me, if a coach is op- opting out of a search, uh, is sort of like saying Kenny Atkinson mutually agreed to part with the Brooklyn Nets. Right? Yeah, ex- exactly. They've they've pulled their name. It's it's like uh, Neera Tandon deciding <laughs> right. she didn't actually want uh, whatever it was right. OMB uh, sinecure position. Right. That, uh, right. She clearly coveted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, again, you, you want to talk about this going over two hours? Get us going on Neera. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't haven't heard much about her in a year, but I'm fucking loaded with vitriol. Let's, we haven't let's heard much go. about her. You, who likely don't care <laughs> at all about Mira Tandon, probably even oh, heard less. William, did you, here's something. I just want to take us on a quick detour here because I just learned today that Maureen Dowd does not like Hillary Clinton. Did you know that? No, I, I, thought, she'd be, I thought she'd ride with ex- her. Exactly. I thought she was engineered in a lab to love Hillary Clinton, but it turns out she's had a long-standing feud with the Clintons in general and Hillary Clinton in particular. So I, I just want to mention that here while we're talking about people that <laughs> no one uh, cares right, about. Right, about Venn Diagram, Nets Nation, and <laughs> real insider uh, Clint- centrist Clinton. Democrats. Clinton world. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, Pizzagate-style crowd. 
Right, but much less interesting than Pizzagate. Absolutely. Uh, I mentioned Ime Udoka's name earlier. Mm -hmm. We didn't give him a congrats last week. Congrats to Ime Udoka. He obviously deserves a head coaching job. He was rumored to be getting maybe the Nets one. He was always any any open position mm-hmm. he would in Vegas odds would be right there at the top. Uh, sounds like he is very well liked throughout the league. I am sorry that he is going to one of the worst organizations, not just in the NBA but in the history of sports, the <laughs> Boston Celtics. Um, there is no more loathsome team to be a part of and associated with, especially for a guy who, by all reports, is wonderful. Um, how quickly do you think Boston is going to convert uh, Ime Adoka from universally beloved mm. assistant coach to reviled head coach who um, sad Brad Stevens is just going to have to fire because he's not doing his job right? Um, you know, I, I think it all depends on, uh, on this off season, William. I think wow. this is a big off season for your Boston Celtics, for not your Boston, your Boston Celtics. Celtics, but the, the Boston fans are there, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Boston and Philadelphia both have fans who turn on a dime and, um, well, are just as happy to boo their team as, as cheer their team. Now I must admit, William, I kind of like that. I kind of like it. Hold your right. team accountable style right. of of fandom, a, a reactionary fan yeah, base. Because it does it does uh, say what you will about the stupidity of, of being too obsessed with the moment. Uh-huh. It does uh, imply that you give a shit, right? Which is something that we've always longed for in in Nets Nation um, and never found. Yeah, it's it's true. There are there are hints of it. Yep, yep, right. If 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 Kevin Durant is hitting a game tying and many thought game winning game seven uh, shot, <laughs> sure you'll cheer. Sure. I mean, you've got a fucking pulse. <laughs> you'll right. cheer at that. Um. Okay. Well, best of luck to you, Ime Udoka. I hope um, you outlast Brad Stevens with the Boston Celtics. God, you are so down on him. I just don't like Brad Stevens. I don't understand why he's revered. Is you know the, the thing that really upset me was when the Bill Simmons industry came out and was like, how many, how many players would you uh, pick in the league before you picked Brad Stevens? And you're like, oh, I don't know, four. Right. Like LeBron, KD, Steph, and Dame Lillard, and right. then and then Brad's five. Right. <laughs> Well, but that's that is such that that is as as much as like players fall in and out of favor, like coaches, it's like the extreme. Yeah, but no coach, no matter how extraordinary, like Nick Apex Nick Nurse, you're never like, yeah, he's better than one of the top one hundred, like more valuable to a team than one of the top hundred guys in the NBA. Yeah, well, big brain Brad. <laughs> Who is now the ultimate uh, example of failing upwards. <laughs> yeah, first, yes. Uh, I heard an, an argument. Apparently, um, Sam Presti uh-huh. is a Boston guy. Okay. And is like, there was there were rumors that he would put, like, has long coveted the Boston uh, GM position. And that there was a real chance that they could have gone after him and attracted him into that position this year, but they just didn't hold a search and instead hired Brad Stevens without 
literally interviewing or testing the waters on any other GM. Interesting. Which is, like, pretty glaringly uh, horrible for, like, an organization to not, like, one, to just sort of nepotistically pick one guy without doing any search for, like, such a critical position, but two, to, like, have an in with arguably the best GM, at least a GM who... I mean, a GM who is in the conversation of top five GMs uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and, and like proven at that. And instead, you just pick a guy who failed so miserably as a coach this year that you had to elevate him to and has no experience as a GM, has experience as a college coach and an NBA head coach. Right. Um, and now he's just somehow going to know how to be a GM. Well, the other the other thing that's interesting to me um about all this is that, uh, you know, P- Presti ha- has had some success with a small market team, which Boston really is. In ter- I mean, like, I know Boston thinks of itself as, a, as an actual city, but yeah. it isn't. And also the owners have, like, less money than almost any team in the, in the NBA. They're, they're, they're they, uh, yeah, they're, they're poppers. Right. No, it would be funny if they hired him and, and like, within two weeks, Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown were on other teams, and all of a sudden the Boston Celtics had, like, 100% of traffic. Oklahoma City's draft picks. Exactly. Um, all right. We are, we are deep down the Boston Celtics rabbit hole here. We're going to bring it back to Nets Nation. Um, and this is Fringe Nets Nation. It is a shout to Kenny Atkinson, the final mention, and assistant coach's corner he is going to move on from your los angeles clippers and take another assistant gig which i think is probably disappointing for atkinson stands like us mm-hmm. uh there was a lot of hope that maybe he'd he'd get the um orlando magic job which seems perfect for him they are in a rebuild and he would be a great great fit there uh but he's moving on to the warriors uh, any thoughts, impressions, feelings, or ideations regarding this? I, um, <laughs> I have a lot of great ideations. ideations. <laughs> um, I specialize in ideations. Um, Sometimes I'm just sitting around ideating. With a minor in impressions. <laughs> um, no, um, I think it's perfectly fine. I, As we talked about in text, it, it doesn't seem automatically like a uh, promotion, Um, just kind of a change. Um, But what I do think, William, and I've I've said this before, I think that um, watch out for when, not if, uh, what's God? What is his Walton? Luke Walton gets fired from the from oh, the Kings. Sacram- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, I think Kenny that that would be my pick to click um, for Kenny. Yeah, um, I think that it probably says something pretty bad about the Clippers because mm. it is a very lateral move for right. Kenny Atkinson. Um, I would imagine that he would like to work with players who maybe are more receptive <laughs> than a Paul George and a Ka- especially a Kawhi Leonard. I think he he's probably jumping at the opportunity to work with Clay and Steph. Not that he's going to be like teaching these guys, right. but at least that they are like 
in any way respond as you would expect people to respond to stuff. And, and you know, if, if not necessarily needing to be coached up, at least include you in the conversation, seemingly, from the outside. <laughs> right, right. Whereas, you know, Kawhi, Kawhi doesn't seem uh, to offer much for an assistant coach right. to, the, the to work. The three um, Kawhi rooms in the, <laughs> in the Clippers training facility are closed-door access. <laughs> exactly. Um so we touched on this a bit earlier. Kevin Durant is playing in the Olympics. But aside from the fact that he is playing in the Olympics, mm-hmm. and there, that is something that one could talk about, one wanted to, uh, there's a little subplot that I'm interested in, and I hope you are. And it's not a little subplot. It's a big subplot. And it's about a 6'11 subplot. Oh, yes. Uh, nephew of Beach Boys legend Mike Love. Really? I didn't know yeah, that. He's the, the nephew, I believe, oh. if not son. I think son or nephew. Mike Love of the Beach Boys. Kevin Love. Yes. Uh, are you getting at all into the buzz that he could potentially, down the road, when the Cleveland Cavaliers buy him out because every team... Somehow doesn't want sixty million. Buy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his there. contract is 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 a, is, a, is bums, bumsville. But yeah, are you in and out, in or out on Kevin Love? Titillated or untitillated? Give me your ideations on that. My ideations uh, are: I am quite interested in a bought out Kevin Love. <laughs> me too. I, I think that would be quite fun. Like, He's good. <laughs> He's like, like, like. talk about Brooke or, or LaMarcus Aldridge. I know last year was a, a wash. He has been miserable for two years in Cleveland. But when he was with LeBron James, he was the third best player on a championship team. And, you know, barring injuries, I think could definitely play at that level. Yeah, and even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, right. he, he, he could be the... Sixth best, seventh best player on our team. I don't care. Like, our first three best players are really good. Right. Uh, and we could always use size, always use rebounding, and always use shooting. Um, all He's three things that rebounder. he does. Yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, based on his comments, you never really know, but, but based on, like, some of his more recent comments where he's like, you know, I don't need to be, like, get, a, you know, a bunch of touches. Maybe I'm not at that stage in my career great to hear also as you just mentioned even at the like near apex of his career he was the third banana so like okay like you're willing to do that already um and you know fourth fifth banana like terrific Uh, yeah he's really like he he's he's a very good shooter he's actually big mm -hmm. unlike blake griffin's not actually right. big. It, yes. Two, five, three years ago, Blake Griffin is a regular-sized power forward. <laughs> right. Um, you know, he's he, defense has always been a knock on him, but there's that great moment in uh, the Game 7 against the Warriors where Steph Curry gets ISO'd on Kevin Love at the end of the game, and Kevin Love is able to stay with him on the perimeter, not foul him, make the the shot really difficult. Like, he can step up. He can be in big moments. He can, like, he has a resume um, where, where, that that proves that he can, he, he could be in a situation that the Nets hope to be in, which is in the finals. 
I, I agree one million percent. I hope Kevin Durant is in his ear. Uh, and again, I don't want to oversell these things because as, as you do see, like, as the playoffs roll on, like, your nice pickups in the range of the, you know, 12 points a game, seven, eight rebounds or whatever, those those players are not super critical. But they right. can be, like, you know, uh, like Blake had, had some good games. Like, Jeff Green had, like, the critical game. I mean, it didn't turn out to be so critical because we lost the series. But, like, game five... Um, in the second round, like, yeah, you, like, he's definitely a guy that, like, could, could help him in a lot of different ways, and, and if he gets hurt, again, he's on, at most, our, like, mid-level exception, like, six million dollars, like, that just doesn't, there's no way we're gonna get him in a way that would hurt us. No, I, I completely agree, and, you know, of those people you're talking about, you know, when, when people overreact and they say, oh my god, the Nets got LaMarcus Aldridge and, and, and Blake Griffin, it's over! Right. And then everyone, you know, anyone who has seen those guys play recently will be like, it's not over, they're terrible. Right. Like, they're, 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 they're at the end of their careers, right. they're mediocre at best. Right. Of all those overreactions, I would say... Kevin Love comes the closest by far of any of those to being like, yes. hey, you might want to overreact. This would be a big pickup. This would be a massive pickup if we could get Kevin Love. Yeah. I, uh, we wouldn't. It wouldn't happen probably, what, till midseason? I don't know. I, I, I mean, it also seems like Cleveland is really, like, not about buying people out. Like, they didn't buy out Drummond. They didn't buy out they Tristan buy Thompson. Because well, he he went oh, to he went you're to totally the Lakers. Right. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, Lakers. you're totally right. Well, that instantly disproved him. They didn't <laughs> they didn't buy out Tristan Thompson, but yeah, I I I hope that that I hope that that um, happens. And I yeah, think I, ho- I hope that like Joe Sy can get in touch with Dan Gilbert <laughs> and be like, listen, you know, yeah, you're buying him out. But guess what? Have you ever had a thumb drive handed to you that had the exact equivalent amount of uh, cryptocurrency <laughs> as the contract you're about to buy out right. has on it. Has that right. ever happened for you, Dan Gilbert? Because <laughs> it's in the mail right now. Right. Comfortably buy out Kevin Love now. Right. Uh, do you think anything like that actually happens with any of these buyouts? Um, I don't know. I never, never thought about it, William. Um, it wouldn't surprise me because there's all sorts of other what you know like we're now like beyond meat arena or like right. we like oh I I think Giannis's siblings are all good enough to be in the NBA <laughs> I don't know why any other team doesn't have any of them and we have all of them isn't that so weird uh, like there's all sorts of in other words there's all sorts of like chicanery going on right. so that type of chicanery would not surprise me yeah 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 um, right, or even yeah, like Drummond going to the Lakers on a minimum and being like, okay, cool, I'll get paid by being in ads for uh, Space Jam Seventeen or whatever. Right. Uh, all right. You mentioned it. I just want to touch on it briefly because it is a, a a big number. Spencer Dinwiddie, five years, one hundred twenty-five million dollars. Now that's his opening salvo. It's negotiate. <laughs> it's a negotiating tactic that even a truly heinous negotiator, uh, me, uh, recognizes is a negotiating move. I would never do it. I would just be like, "What do you want?" 
okay, I'm comfortable with that. Let's just move on and right. not talk about right. this. That's right. my negotiating. Right. Just like, oh, that's the price that you say? Okay. That sounds like the price <laughs> then. <laughs> you were you were you ever in the market for a new car? Oh, and my were God. were this uh, car company still around? You would be a Saturn buyer. Because that was their whole thing. You remember that? They were like, you know what? The the price is the price. Right. And like there is no negotiating, so we can just have a nice, like Frictionless, right. polite chat. Stress-free. Exactly. No, that is perfect for me. Like, why put a price on it if that's not the price? You're just making us both super yeah. uncomfortable. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, in, in the whole home buying situation, Claire has very much stepped up in those moments where, <laughs> where it's like, this is obviously an opportunity where you're supposed to neg- like, you're doing yourself a massive thousands of dollars disservice to not just suggest a lower price. I'm like, don't you dare suggest it. <laughs> it's fine. We're gonna spook him. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm a horrible negotiator. So anyway, five years, $125 million. It's never happening, right? Uh, no. And as you said, I don't think he thinks that either. So what are we comfortable with? Where are we at with Spencer Dinwiddie this week? Because, you know, say what you will about the guy. He's able to interject himself into the narrative in, I would say, more compelling ways than, say, uh, Kyrie. But still, he's always finding crafty ways of getting his name in the headlines. Where where are you at with Spencer right now? Uh, I... Basically, I basically don't want him on this team at almost any number. And here's the reason, Nets Nation. I just, I think that, I mean, if somehow we could get him for our mid-level exception or something, that would be great. And I know it's not my money, it's Joe Sy's money. But just in terms of, like, long-term investment that it would take to get to get Spencer just re- realistic. If we're trying to be semi-realistic here, the only way the Nets would get him, I think, is like, yes, we'll give you five years of something that will um, that will make it so that your like, per-year amount is not as high right. because we're drowning in luxury checks right now. And the <laughs> drowning. Chi- it's the, like 15 <laughs> will cost 40 or something Right, exactly. Like and the, the Chinese government is causing Josiah to lose tens of billions of dollars in value every <laughs> single day with their monopoly crackdowns, um, which, as we've talked about before, we hate. Uh, <laughs> right. And, Freedom! And which showed no sign of abating either. There's not like, I have not seen one headline that's like, and China is done with their crackdowns. It's just like, and another move to further royal markets. Uh <laughs> The Chinese government has blah, blah, blah. So, like, truly, Alibaba is losing hundreds of billions of dollars in market value every every couple of uh, weeks. Anyway, I, I just don't... I just don't see any comfortable way to, to, to get Spencer Dinwiddie, especially coming off of his second ACL tear, which, if you're Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson, you're much more comfortable being like, okay... Roll the dice. These guys were incredible, especially Kevin Durant. But but you know these guys were incredible. If right. if we get eighty percent of this, it's still terrific. Like, yeah, and it's shooting. It's right, right. Like shooting the the idea of shooting doesn't age. Right. You know, like if you if you're a shooter, you can find a way to be valuable to a team in the league. Spencer is a blow by guard. Right. Like he is useless if he can't get to the rim. 
Right. Uh, which I imagine you'll still be able to do to some extent. Right. It, but, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just like, like, and I do think Spencer Dinwiddie is better than, um, than Jeremy Lin, to be sure, but, like, you just saw what, like, a serious injury does to a type of player like Jeremy Lin. It completely knocks you out of the league. It, yeah. does, it doesn't make you a less effective guy. It right. makes you out of the league. So, like, <laughs> I'm not saying Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be out of the league, but I am saying, like, a big investment in a guy who was your backup point guard Right. Before. Please be out of our uh, league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, Nets league. So, yeah, I think the ideal situation is we sign and trade him for something. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't fully understand how the the ta- uh, sorry the um, trade exception works technically, mm-hmm. um, but fine, whatever. I think a trade exception is good because it leaves you know obviously you're allowed to bring in a b- big salary into your team. Um, if we could just get something for him, that would be great. But yes, I agree. Don't particularly think he fits on this team anymore, or would be terribly useful on this team anymore. Yeah, um, it's been fun while it's lasted. Yes, I think he's. I think he's well aware of that. All right, let's turn to the mailbag because we are. We went deep, deeper than I thought we would on assistant coach's corner. <laughs> and we really, had a lot of um, bullets on that, though. A lot of assistant coach. Yes, of course. Stuff. This is one of the dodecahedron corners. <laughs> uh, all right, mailbag. First one. These are from IRL Jay Z. Thank you again for writing in. Yes, thank Please you. Please submit more. Listeners, hit us up, maybe next time at gmail.com or on Twitter, maybe next time. Or on Instagram. What the hey? Uh, first one. Can we get more scan scam? Maybe just some shit up about LaMarcus Aldridge. Whatever happened to the other in arena host guy opposite Allie Love, who is very large and went by horse or something? Uh, are there disappearances at all related? A lot in that one, Simon. I'll start by just saying I miss horse. Yeah. Not positive that was handsome his name. Handsome Horace. Han- Wasn't it? Horace? Yeah, it was like Handsome Horace. <clears throat> okay. Handsome Horace. Uh, if anyone in Nets Nation, I would say, knows about his whereabouts. Yeah. Um, he was terrible. Yeah. But he stunk. hit us up. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. In, in spite of him stinking, I'd love to know. <laughs> I'd love to know what he's doing. Um, very um, that Allie Love hasn't gone anywhere. But do you have anything re-scan scam or... Here's something that I've been thinking about, William. I I think it's... Like, this kind of went under the radar, but after... Only after the the playoffs ended did we learn that um, James Harden had a grade 2 strain. Mm -hmm. uh, Hamstring strain. Scam, scam, scam. Which is... Yeah, which is just absurd that he was playing at all and also that like you knew that and people asked Steve Nash what's the grade of the sprain like how serious is that or strain and he was like oh, I, I don't know and may- maybe he genuinely didn't as I as I have speculated before I think that that at least before press conferences <laughs> they like are like no Steve you don't know anything so right. you can go out there and genuinely say I don't know anything right. then we'll tell you're you you're a people person not right. an information person right Exactly, because I do think he is historically, like, just terrible at lying. Yeah, oh, I'd imagine so, yeah. No, Uh, he doesn't seem the type. Right. I mean, it could be us, you know, misreading him. Yes. This is armchair psychology Exactly, exactly. But I I just think he's, 
He's not a good, like, spokesperson type guy. He's more of your, like, hey, everybody, let's get, you know, like, kind of like, um, who was the coach that got, um, Fitzdale? He's like a, he's he's got more of a, like, make you feel good, get, get every, you know, make some jokes, make the media like you, but not a, um, not a good, not a good spinster. Anyway, um, so... And not even like a like a Popovich or no. or Budenholzer type who's just like either unresponsive right. or just gives like you know sarcastic little. No, he's that. Yeah, quips. no, he's no, he too kind of nice. He's, a, he's guy. an open book. He right. wants he wants to connect with everyone. He wants everyone to like him. Right, exactly. Uh, which is great uh, in some circumstances, but obfuscation is not one of those circumstances. Right. right. Um, so I do think that was, uh, you know, another example of Nets' shadiness around injuries. Um, and I, I also have not seen anything about Kyrie's injury stuff. Um, don't have any idea how severe that was, whether he's totally back to normal now, whether what he's up to at all. I've not no, seen anything on I would say he's been mercifully out of the limelight. Yeah, kind of worries me a little what... What's going on, dear? Yeah. So, so, like, I don't even know if he was at the games. Like, there was never any shots of him in the on the sidelines or anything no. that I saw. I know zero about Kyrie Irving. And, and again, it doesn't. Yeah. So, and we haven't heard anything about like, oh, he's upset. You know, none, none of the like even high level people who hear that shit, like your shams and your woges, have not said anything about. Kyrie being like upset or something that would lead him to not be at those games. So I, anyway, I, I just don't. I, there's there's a lot of the, a lack of info makes me wary of of things. So that that's my that, that's my attempt at a scan scan. Okay, that's a very good scam scan. Thank you for that. <laughs> Welcome. Um, thank you for having me. I mean, the people want your scan scan. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for that IRL JC. I, ho- I hope that lived up to your expectation. Um, Simon, do you want to go grab us? Yes. Another cup. Just grab me whatever sours over in the front. And obviously a bone vib while I read this next question, which is the following. Perhaps go all in on DraftKings as an opportunity for meta narrative. Fictional alt selves losing everything to the virtual sports book. Over time, we hear the sad descent of your fictional alter egos. A contemporary update to the rake's progress told in the interstitial space of advertising. As any fan of Nets Nation knows, we have a long and storied relationship with one of the premier (laughs) online betting outfits in the United States today, DraftKings. Yes. Uh, In a world that... Completely functions in simulacrum and spectacle. (laughs) Online betting is one of the few places you can turn for something real in the U.S. economy. That is so true. (laughs) We don't make things. We make feelings. Exactly. And you can never get a better feeling than when you're losing or winning money. That's right. But honestly, sometimes the losses feel better than the wins. Honestly, any gambler knows you don't gamble to win, you gamble to lose. (laughs) The feeling you get when you lose. Right, exactly. There's very few things as intensely rewarding in terms of peaked self-loathing than a good, (laughs) than a good spectacular loss. Right. Um, 
So for this one, for this question, Simon, what I did is I came up with a few prop bets okay. for 2021, and I wanted to give you the prop bet and give you the odds. And I thought, you know, what I I think the the prop bets are a little provocative in that they will give us some things to talk about in terms of like what the implications are for the Nets this season. And then you tell me whether you, you want the odd, you like the odds, you take it or not. Now you're a conservative better. Yes. Um, so, but they weren't obviously not betting any real money here. So go wild. Oh, shit. That's okay. Uh, first one is this Spencer Din- Dinwiddie and Mike D'Antoni are both part of the Nets next season, and I'm giving you plus 1,500 odds. Right, so... 15 to 1 odds. That... That Spencer Dinwiddie and Mike D'Antoni are both a part hmm. of the Nets next year. I will... I will take those odds. I think those are good... I mean... I... I, I mean, yes. I, I, mean, I think the it's... the payout's it's great. It's unlikely. The payout's great. Yeah. I agree. I... I those, are, those are too tasty... Because th- that's conceivable. It's unlikely for sure, but it's conceivable. One, it seems like Mike D'Antoni is more likely than not to be on the Nets staff at this point. Yeah, he is persona non grata. In, yeah, uh, the I head coaching round. I don't seems. really, I don't really get it. Like maybe, maybe like an Orlando gig, he just wasn't interested in. But, yeah. like, if he was interested, which I got to think at this point he would be because, like, he had his, like, fun last year where he was like, you know, I'll just right. have a relaxed time here with the Nets. But eventually, like, you got to kind of want a head coach. But, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, and then Spencer is unlikely. Yeah. So you, you so got you a think, one yeah, of the I two. Think Mike D'Antoni is probably the more likely. Spencer's the less likely. A safe-ish bet, and the, the odds are great. They make it too tasty to turn away. Next one, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant both play 50 games or more next season with plus 600 odds, so worse odds. On worse odds. One. Six to one. I'm going to go no. I'm, I'm not You're taking out. that bet. Yeah. Um, uh, which do you think is more – which one of those players is more likely to play 50 games? Honestly, I think it's Kyrie. Uh, wow. Be- because <laughs> because of the career-ending injury that's happening in Tokyo this summer. Right. I mean, well, or just like he's going to be worn down and in, and an already already very very pampering regular season net staff is aware of that. Like like they they worked Joey Harris to the bone when he played in the Olympic right. whatever qualifying things, but like they're not going to do that with Durant. They already didn't do that with Durant after he had an entire year off. Not just of not playing in the summer, but not playing at all anywhere for a year. <laughs> right. Um, so he will not be doing that. And then, you know, any tweak, any problem with his legs, arms, whatever, he will not be playing. And um, Kyrie, of course, gets hurt all, all the time. Uh, we were very lucky to catch lightning in a ball bottle to see how many games he played this year, which was not that many by a normal player's standard, but was like, he was basically an Iron Man. Yeah. Also, third-team All-NBA. I'm not sure that we've really ever talked about that, but but, but third-team All-NBA, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, 40-50-90. Yeah. Tip of the hat. All right. uh, I've got two more. Next one, a little more complicated, a little more out there. Okay. Nick Claxton Mm. starts 
40 or more games. And Landry Shamit leads Nets in three-point shooting percentage. And Steve Nash gets Coach of the Year. For that, you'll get plus 2,000 odds, 20 to 1. That's a rich, rich man you'd become were you to bet on that. What is the second one again? Landry Shamit uh, leads Nets in three-point percentage. Percentage. Hmm. Not in three points right, made. Right. Three-point percentage. So that would say Joe Harris maybe has an off year or isn't on the team. Yeah, right. But then you've also still got you like still Kyrie two great shooters and, and, and Kyrie Kevin Durant. And KD, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll bet a small amount on that. Sure, 20 bucks and... And, you know, you you stand to, to make a pretty penny. Uh, any thoughts on, I think, Steve Nash, Coach of the Year, very conceivable. Nets are in first. And sure. that's whatever, you know, I could see that. That's not that hard. But Nick Claxton starting 40 games? It's kind of out there. It's out there, and it's not just out there because he would, you know, it would be his third year in the league on a championship contending team. But also his injury stuff has not been been good. All right, final one. Kevin Durant leads the team, and this is the most conservative one I did. Kevin Durant leads the team in points per game. Okay. Harden leads the team in assists per game, mm-hmm. and Joe Harris leads in three-point percentage. You get plus 200 odds, two to one. Are you taking that safe Oh, yeah, bet? that's a Simon bet. That's a Simon bet. The whole way through. And yeah. honestly, I, th- I think that should be three to one because, you, you, you know, you're multiple... All three things. Yeah, I just think that the first two are so safe. Like, I can't imagine a universe in which Harden or Durant aren't leading the team in points or score. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, assists and and score. Durant, or sorry, um, Harden for sure, but points per game could be Harden. Could be Harden. Um, Or, or, yeah, yeah. No, you're right, you're right. I, I would take that bet. I guess really what you're worried about is Joe Harris being on the Nets. Right. All right. Um, next question. Who's in the House of Highlights 2020-2021? Um, that was his question. Right. So I had a hard time remembering highlights from the season. Mm-hmm. So I basically just said a few things I like. Okay. KD in Game 5. That yep. will be a a game that I was at, certainly, that I will always remember, but also just a game as a Nets fan in general that I will remember for the rest of time. It was probably the most spectacular individual performance um, I've ever, certainly ever witnessed live, but, you know, top five in basketball that I've ever seen anyone mm-hmm. put forth. Uh, Jeff Green's dunks in general, love, love his violent dunking. Uh, James Harden joining the team. Mm. I like that because not only because uh, we started winning so much more when he joined the team, but because I was very into the idea of it when I think a lot of people were very skeptical and it sort of bore out that, you know what? Adding an MVP level player uh, does help make your team better. <laughs> Which, you know, I don't know how I figured that one out. Okay, William. It's Uh, about the kicks. Anyway. uh, Other two things that that are my house of highlights. Nick Claxton, 100% of the time on defense and 10% of the time on offense. Mm -hmm. And final one, Bruce Brown becoming the most interesting center in the league. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, okay, number one highlight for me was that uh, highlight late in the year where um, Blake Griffin, like, shoots off a, a beautiful, like, cross, like, to the, to the center of the court pass to, I want to say, Kyrie Irving, who then dumps it off to Mike James, who then throws it off the backboard oh, for yeah. Kevin Durant to dunk. Like, that was such a, like, the Nets had, rightly or wrongly, gotten so much hate the entire year. And, like, just watching that play, it's very hard to be like, this, I hate this team. I hate this team so much. They suck. But it's just like, that's an awesome play. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, the, okay, second play, I have three. Second one was Kyrie's behind-the-back pass to um, Kevin Durant. I think that was in game three, where he, like, completely fooled. You can see two Bucks defenders, like, have no idea where the ball is after he's thrown it. Kevin Durant is right behind him for a, for a, a, a sick dunk. Um, and... Uh, Let's see. What's the third one? I don't know. Those those are the two the two that that stick out in my in my head uh, most. In your in your house of highlights, noggin. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you for the questions, IRL Jay Z. Very fun stuff. Please send more. Uh, we we gotta have it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'll say my last. My third one is Kevin Durant hitting the the three in um, game seven. It wasn't a three. That wasn't a three, right? Yeah. Sorry, yeah, the two. The yeah. long two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so now we are at that special point in the podcast at the 52-minute mark, which I'll write down for our listeners who don't want to necessarily hear us talk about the Nets, which is insane, uh, where we visit a restaurant, oftentimes of an opposing team's city, uh, or we went to a lot in Orlando when the bubble was in Orlando. Great place to go to really crappy restaurants. Um, today we are going to go to. Last week we went to Dan Marley's restaurant. This week we're going to go to Clyde Frazier Wilt the Stilt. Fraser, wait, was he called Wilt the Stilt? No, that was. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. Who's a Knicks fan? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's got a restaurant called Clyde Frazier's Wine. And dine. And Simon, knowing you as I think I do, <laughs> you have to be a fan of Clyde's signature cocktail menu. Yes, he is a, a big fan of rhyming. He's a huge rhyming fan. I feel like it it warrants just reading the eight things on the on the each cocktail name. Yeah. Do you wanna do that for us? In your best say in your best um DraftKings ad read voice, okay? <laughs> sure. Stopping and popping, <laughs> posting and toasting, <laughs> Lucy Goosey. They're all like this, folks. <laughs> Fire and desire, uh, swishing and dishing, winning and grinning, stumbling and bumbling, and wheeling and dealing. Dealing! It, it is true. It does sound like me, kind of. Yes, like, yes. Uh, it is... Which I imagine is how he must be on this guy. I never listen right. to MSG, but I imagine he must say things like this right. when he's doing the... Grab me a the... drink. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, you are the king of rhyme. 
the king of needlessly associating words. Um, there are some <laughs> of these which are clearly basketball related. Right. Your stop and pop. Mm-hmm. Posting and toasting. Not sure how much. To- I guess you could toast someone. Loosey goosey though. That's not. That's not. That gets away from the basketball theme. Fire and desire again. No, doesn't work. Swishing and dishing does. Mm-hmm. I hope there's no stumbling and bubbling on that station. Anyway, of those gorgeously titled cocktails, Simon, which are you most intrigued by? <laughs> Winning and grinning. <laughs> Just because it's served in a mason jar? Um, love the mason jar. Love the Huckleberry Vodka. <laughs> 44 North Huckleberry Vodka. Right. Uh, also Pink Lemonade. Love it. Um, and yes, it's served in a mason jar. That's a pretty simple drink. You got vodka, you got pink lemonade, <laughs> and you've got a mason jar. That's Move right. on with your That's night. That's right. Uh, I will personally be going for stopping and popping, Simon. What's in this? Woodford Reserve, Woodford Reserve bourbon, which mm-hmm. is a very good bourbon. Peach schnapps, which is Ooh, great. a schnapps. <laughs> <laughs> and iced tea. That is right. You you that's that's high class, low class. Yeah, there. for me, Simon, that's fun, 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 fun in the sun. And you're you become a huge iced tea nut, so that that fits with that. Yeah, uh, you think it's a brisk or a, or more of a uh, unsweetened? I bet it's unsweetened. Unsweetened, yeah, probably. Um, all right, let's head over to the dinner menu. Okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, appetizers and snacks. They've got, you know, in, in this place's defense, as if it needed defending, it's got a robust appetizer menu. This isn't uh, Clyde the Glide. No, that was someone else. This isn't Clyde Frazier's... Uh, Clyde Frazier's... I co- love that you can... Wilt the Stilt. No, no. <laughs> Clyde the Glide. Uh, different guy again. Different guy. Different guy. Uh, this isn't Clyde Frazier mailing in an appetizer menu, having his uh, boogie-shoogie nephew or, <laughs> or son coming in and, and trying to create something here. Right. He's put blood, sweat, and tears into this appetizer menu. Yeah. I mean, uh, but, sort but, of. He's but mostly a, dipping sauce. A lot of them are very <laughs> generic appetizers, but yes. Okay, uh, Mr. Snoot, <laughs> which of these appetizers and or snacks are you going to get? I am going to have the Asian-style fried calamari because there's no indication of why it's Asian-style <laughs> or what the fuck that means. It no. is continent-style <laughs> calamari. With banana peppers, a classic. <laughs> if I know Asian cuisine, which again, I, I don't mean to seem like the uh, the woke police here, but is a massive continent with quite a lot of variation. Um, uh, but banana peppers, I don't think I've ever seen in any Never Asian dish ever. And this, uh, pardon me, Clyde. This is my own ignorance here, but I have never seen banana peppers prominently featured on a country who resides in Asia's menu. <laughs> exactly. And green onions. And green onions, which are in certain yeah. Asian right. dishes. Right. And you know what? We really may be way off here. So, listeners, 
Let us know if banana peppers are a larger part of Asian cuisine than Simon and I are giving him credit for. Yes. We may have missed some countries in an enormous yes. continent. You know, <laughs> culinary, Mongolia. Uh, right, right. Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. Numerous places that we know virtually nothing about. Yes. Uh, for me, Simon... I've got to go with the cilantro pesto marinated mm. chicken quesadilla. That was my second pick. I'm glad you got it. Uh, comes with guacamole, pico de gallo, and Mexican cream cilantro pesto. Pops off the page to me. I agree. It's so good to see pesto on a, on a menu because I feel like pesto has fallen completely out of favor. I love pesto. I can't wait for that to be the hot girl food that people are talking about because right. it... It's fantastic. That, that Megan the Stallion yes, is exa- talking about? exactly, exactly. Um, all right, moving along. Are you getting a handheld or a main course? I think I'm going to get a, a main course. All right, which one? Chimichurri chicken and shrimp. You know I love chimichurri sauce more than anything. Uh, that's not Even true. Even more than pesto? No. Not more than pesto and not more than many, many other things. But I do like chimichurri. Chicken and shrimp, uh, which is a half chicken char-grilled with grilled shrimp skewer basted with a traditional chimichurri sauce served with sweet plantains, yellow rice, and black beans. I got to say, the last part of that I did not anticipate, and I don't (laughs) like sweet plantains. I will say that. Yeah, but the rice and beans sound pretty good. Yes. Yellow rice, importantly. I do like yellow rice. So, Simon, in an homage to you Mm. and the country from which you hail on the continent of Europe, Uh I'm going to get some blackened Scottish salmon. (laughs) Okay. Great. I I prefer to call it European salmon. (laughs) Right. Um, so, again, we are not experts on regional cuisine. No. Expert as we are in so many other things. Yes. One of them is not regional cuisine. Scotland, I have never in my life conflated with a a salmon. No. I I know they love a a haddock, maybe. I I don't know. Uh, A fish. A a, a, a white fish. A cod. The haggis, yeah, haggis. But just like a white fish is what I'm getting at. Okay, okay. Uh, I've never heard of salmon being a thing you can even get in Scotland. Yeah, I, 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 that it's it's would be news to me. Uh, and you hail exactly from I'd, the Rolling Glen. I have not, in my extensive genealogical research, <laughs> encountered in ancestors any of my ancestors enjoying salmon. Right, you've done excruciating like DNA research into see it, see how rich their omega-3 uh, <laughs> residue in the bones are exactly. to try and determine whether I, or not salmon ever coursed through their body. I, I have dug up countless relatives <laughs> to test their bones, their decaying bones, for omega-3 content to get some indication of whether they liked salmon, and I zero evidence. Of no, that. none. Um, so my Scottish salmon, my blackened Scottish salmon, comes with bourbon butter, spinach, and garlic mashed potatoes. Fan of all those things. Delicious. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Now, is there a dessert menu? 
Yeah. Great. Uh, you have to uh, click separately. Though. Okay. Would you mind telling us what you would get and then pretend, potentially handing me your phone so that I could see <laughs> uh, that dessert menu? My, I, you'll, you'll be shocked to hear it, but I've only got PDFs over here, and I did not happen to download the PDF of the, <laughs> the dessert menu. William. Apologies. Your PDF <laughs> fetishism is it is it it is close to your obsession with with ancestral bone analysis yes exactly <laughs> and and just as uh, troublesome <laughs> i mean not from like a necrophiliac type of perspective you know where right. where well, the I'm not having authority. sex no, with know, my I relatives yeah, yeah. good god i'm just <laughs> digging them up and analyzing their bone Analyzing content. what little bone residue <laughs> there is. With my expert bone residue <laughs> testing kit that I yes. bring to the grave site. All right, you got it on 23 or me. <laughs> no worries, uh, grave digger. I'm just here checking the bones. Do you have the 23 or me app, buddy? <laughs> it's amazing. It's so incredible. You, I, think, you think that other apps aren't? Already pretty invasive? Check this one out. It gets to the very core of your being and your ancestors' bones. It it somehow takes all of my information, deeply personal information, and spits back total bullshit. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Like, at least Google can take a lot of my information and then spit back a useful um, search search result. result. Yeah. This is just a, a, like, Zoltan, the, the, like, the... uh, I never knew so, I had an Ethiopian prince in my family. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, turns out you do. <laughs> uh, just submit your exact same genealogical profile again and get totally different results. Okay. Um, I'm getting the, <laughs> in a wind-up, to end all wind-ups, I'm going to get warm apple and blueberry cobbler with vanilla ice cream for $10. You know, desserts, here's something I've noticed on our um our menu uh, perusing. perusing desserts are quite expensive these days. I can yeah. remember when a dessert was like five dollars. Yeah, now, I think people got why, or maybe the desserts are just better now. Yeah, maybe. I I think it's a. I think the 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 dessert bubble is about to burst in my view. Wow. And anyway, here here's here's yeah. my phone. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I only got PDFs on my end. <laughs> uh, all right. Exciting. I think I'm going to get the... Uh, not a ton of options, honestly. One of them is just, uh, as far as I can tell them, it's just booze. Um, the Summer Shandon Spritz. Yes. Uh, I guess I'll get the molten chocolate cake. Mm, good Hate choice. chocolate, love molten. <laughs> Huge fan of molten. Molten anything. Uh-huh. Cake. <laughs> lava. <laughs> From cake ideation. to actual lava. The molten ideation. Molten ideation, yes. Uh, so molten chocolate cake, which is chocolate sauce. So- it has chocolate sauce and Chantilly cream. Mm-hmm. That, too, is $10. Right. Yummity-yum-yum. Yummity-yum-yum-yum. Do you know what Chantilly cream is? No. Do you? No. Um, okay, what do you think that that tells us about the inner workings of the New York Knicks as a mm. basketball organization? Mm. Um, 
lot of sizzle, very little steak. So, <laughs> like a lot of of hype, you get excited seeing, especially the cocktail menu. Hello, oh, yeah. How could you not? But then you you peel back the layers, and you get into the first round of the playoffs as a four seed. Very exciting, and then you realize pretty much all of your players stink. Um. And Especially your best player, Julius Randle, right, who we would love to have on the Nets. Yeah, yeah. But I just, right, I that that that's the sense that I get from like you'd be like, ooh, what a fun name. Oh, they're all named exactly like this. Ooh, they're lemonade and vodka. That's um, that's a like fancy cocktail now. Um, <laughs> in, what is it? It's vodka and powder lemonade. Right. And you just you you go further and further down, and you the more you learn about Clyde's uh, joint there, it's kind of just a generic restaurant with yeah. a little bit of razzle at the top. I didn't look to see where it is in the city. Mm. Probably by I would Madison's. suspect Midtown. I, yeah. I would be shocked if it's anywhere but Midtown. Yeah. If it's if it's not within two to three blocks of MSG, then it's got to be uh, unimaginable that it made it through COVID. Yeah. Uh, anyway, great little trip, little jaunt. Uh, listeners, if you're still somehow listening at the one hour and eight minute mark, Uh-oh. this is getting into Uh-oh. longest episode ever. I think uh, as the the number of listeners drops during the offseason, <laughs> our capacity to just endlessly go on in these things... Goes, it's goes up, up, up. Uh, honestly, listeners, it's never been about you. We love you. We, <laughs> we do love, love you. you. We do. I, and I'm extremely flattered that anyone listens. Yes. But it's never been about you. No. It's always been about hitting that eight, one hour, eight minute mark. Yeah. Talking Clyde. The Glide or Wilt the Still. <laughs> you tell me mm-hmm. what... Because he, he went by Walt Frazier, right? Or Wilt Frazier? I, I don't know. I don't know anything about him. I know he wears, like, truly hideous, like, plaid blazers. Yeah, he blazers. wears outrageous clothing. But I think they're, I think it's cooler than you give him credit for. Okay. Uh, but, and he was uh, on uh, a championship Knicks team with, um, you know, the Bulls coach. Phil Jackson? Philly Jackson, yeah. Philly J. Okay. Whew. I could talk about <laughs> Clyde Frazier for days. <laughs> but I think I'm going to spare people. <laughs> Honestly, um, I do think that we are coming to the end of this podcast. Yeah, I agree. So as we approach the end, what else would you like to get off your chest to our <laughs> listeners before we head out? It can be about PDFs. It can be about... Folks, nicknames. Would you send your non-virus-laden PDFs? <laughs> Please don't load them up with viruses. Two, maybe next time at gmail.com or at maybe next time on Twitter and Instagram. And also in those PDFs include questions, comments, thoughts, um, ideations, ideations. Thank you. And also give us five star reviews. Please, anywhere you can leave reviews. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Um, we'd love your ideations on there, just so long as they are attached to a five-star review, please. Uh, th- thank you so much. And remember, DraftKings.com slash. Uh, okay. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. It really has been a pleasure. 
sorry for running this long. I mean, at this point, we have to apologize. Yes. Uh, but remarkable that you made it to the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a hell of a good time. And I think what we're going to do is after we see an immersive Van Gogh experience next week, mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and see, see ya next time. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording of a favorite song. So while she lay there sleeping, I read the paper in bed. And in the personal columns, there was this letter I read. If you like Pina Colada.